John chapter 19, the official title this morning is actually with the rich in his death, with the rich in his death. John chapter 19, 31, the Jews therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was a high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and break the legs of the first and of the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that his, he was dead already, they break not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and forthwith came there out blood and water. And he saw, and he that saw it bear record and his record is true. And he knoweth that he saith true that ye might believe. John speaking of himself. For those things were done that the scripture might be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. And again, another scripture saith, they shall look on him whom they pierced. Let's pray for a moment. Lord, I pray that you'd add your blessings to the reading of your word. What a marvelous account we have of your burial. Lord, we're so looking forward to your resurrection, uh, not only in Gospel of John, but uh, we look forward to seeing for ourselves our own resurrection someday because you were raised from the dead so shall we be. We are grateful, eternally grateful. Bless our time together. Lord, forgive me of sin. Empty me of self. Fill me with your spirit. Lord, I, I am a sinner. I, I'm preaching to sinners. But Lord, we are sinners who have been saved by your marvelous grace. I trust each one has. If not, I pray they would get that settled this day. Lord, we still sin. Not because we want to. And sometimes we sin because we want to. We just ignore the spirit. Lord, forgive us for those. May we keep short accounts. So Lord, work in all of our hearts this day. Help me to speak clearly with uh, those teaching downstairs. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Two portions, really. I have just two, po- two points, and I, I may have a, a poem be a song as well, but just two points today. Divine protection for the Lord's bones and divine provision for the Lord's body. Before we get to the, the part of the provision for the Lord's body, uh, which is commitment, we find Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus are showing their commitment to Christ. We're going to, we're going to, uh, we have to go talk about the Lord's bones, how that he was not, those bones were not broken. Now, speaking of commitment, there was a hen and, and a pig who saw uh, a church sign announcing the sermon. And the sermon says, what can we do to help the poor? The hen looks over to pig and says, let's feed them eggs and bacon. And the pig thought just for a moment, he said, you know what? There's something wrong with your idea. You see, it requires from you a contribution. To me, it's total commitment. Are you committed to the cause of Christ? I trust that you are. In 2015, we were, if you saw the videos of the 21 Christians beheaded on the beach in Libya, we were aghast at that, as well we should be. And we hear often of those maybe who are, you need to deny Christ or die. Perhaps it might come even to America at some point in time. I hope it does not. Are you a Christian? That might be the question. You've heard the stories about the people who go in with machine guns into churches over in the, the time of the communist regime and, and say, if you are, if you are a Christian, you'll say, we're going to kill you and the rest get out. And they all got out and then they took their guns down. Now we're really true Christians. And so we want to worship a people who are also true Christians and no intentions of killing anyone. But it worked to get those who are just saying they were Christians out of the church for that day. But we should be concerned, I think, regarding our level of commitment. We see two gentlemen today in our text, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. We're going to see that their commitment actually comes to the forefront with Christ's burial. 
It was interesting, a pastor, I thought as I was reading this, reminded myself of this. He said, uh, in time past, a pastor in Arizona said these words. Uh, when he was in college, there was an ad for Clairol hair coloring and had this tagline, only her hairdresser knows. And he said, you could not tell by looking whether that lady had dyed her hair or not. So he says, we used to refer to Christians, some Christians who were so quiet about their faith and never told anybody that they were Clairol Christians. Because only God knew for sure there were believers. It should not be said of us. We should not become, uh, when someone asks us about our faith, we should not, well, I'm a Christian. No, I believe that Christ died for me and I have received him as my very own personal Savior. And if you have not, you should as well. He changes us from the inside out. I know you don't have to do it that loud. But you should be, it should not be something we are ashamed of. Now, we, we almost, the, the culture wants to get us, now we, we, we've gotten so far, we've not changed an iota, but we've moved from normalcy to now we're over on the far right so far, I don't know how any more extreme right we can get. We've not done anything new or different. We're just holding forth to what the Bible has said, and may we hold forth what the Bible has said, continue to do so. Before we get to commitment, let's look for a moment then at the divine protection for the Lord's bones. And in 31, we see then the Sabbath day. And the Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day. Now, this Sabbath was not even one of the ordinary ones. Sabbath day was typically Saturday, but this was a high Sabbath. And so if you want to study what day was Christ crucified on, this is an important statement because Many feel he was not actually crucified on Friday, perhaps Thursday. A lot feel he was crucified on Wednesday. And I'm not teaching heresy. I'm just, it's just when he was crucified that exact day of the week, we can have a disagreement on, but that he was crucified, we all agree upon, and that he was buried, yes, and that he rose again, yes, he did. It's interesting, though, do you notice the animosity? You know, what would normally happen to, to the bodies is the chief priest probably had in their minds that they're going to get Christ's body and throw it into some common grave or perhaps even burn it. I'm just thinking they may have ever kept it to where people could look at it. This is your dead Savior right here. But God superintends divine protection for the Lord's bones, if you would. Not only the Sabbath, the Sanhedrin, we find there in the, the Jews, therefore... It wasn't all the Jews, I don't believe. It was just the leaders, if you would. As you well know, the Jews sometimes refers to leaders, sometimes refers to them all, as you well know. We find it, for the Sabbath day was a high day. Besought Pilate in 31 that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. Such a cruel thing to do. Can you imagine you've been on the cross for a time? Now, typically people did not die in six hours why did that happen? Because Jesus dismissed his spirit and gave up his, uh, gave up his spirit and died. He chose when to die. But lots of times, two or three days, they might be on the cross unless they took these hammers and broke both your legs because your legs are what were keeping you alive. You're pushing up for each breath. And they broke their legs and they couldn't. And so they, a six, a fisk, yeah, they died, couldn't breathe anymore. Yeah, I can't try to think of that word. I can't, yeah, asphyxiated. There we go. Well, that's close enough, I guess. One man says regarding breaking their legs that the breaking the legs of a person hanging on a cross administered a terrible shock of pain to the victim. The whole weight of the body no longer supported by the legs dropped down, fixing the thoracic cage so that the lungs could no longer expel the air which was inhaled. Death was hastened by asphyxiation. Thus, these men could preserve the sanctity of their Sabbath by having the men die and getting them off the cross. Now, isn't it kind of ironic that they are wanting to get the body off a cross before the Sabbath day so they can keep their little their rituals. And the one they're removing is the, the Savior. 
They're so concerned about the, the little spots here and there, which they were important for the Jewish people. But the Savior of the world is on the cross, and they're so concerned about that. The soldiers then, in 32, as you will, they come to break their legs. And they, I have to say something for the soldiers, because they, they break their legs the first, they break their legs the second, but when they get to Christ, now they're ordered, from what I understand, to break the legs. But... We see the Savior in 33, when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. Well, you say, well, pastor, we know, of course, that Jesus died. Hello, duh, we say today. But the seeming obvious fact has been disputed by so many people in so many ways. The docetists denied that Jesus was truly a man. They asserted that he seemed to be a man, only seemed to be. Now, why is that important? Because Muhammad, whose knowledge of Christianity came through this docetist sources and movement, wrote in the Quran, Muhammad said these words to quote, they did not kill him, speaking of Jesus, neither did they crucify him. It only seemed to be so. Now, as you well know, the Islam is gained quite footing. Do you know how many Islamic, how many Muslims there are in the world today? 1.8 1.8 or 1.9 billion. How many Christians? Who Of all persuasions, 2.4 billion Christians. If we're not careful, we're not, before we know it, Islam is going to overtake Christianity as the number one religion as far as multiplicity of people in the entire world. So it is important what people, when they start this false teaching, what this man signs on for, and 1.8 billion people later are following his teaching. There was attempts sort of like Hugh Schoenfeld in the book, The Passover Plot, that says he didn't die on the cross, he simply swooned. Well, let me take you to the cross. Before we get to the cross, let us tear out your beard, put a crown of thorns on your head, 39 lashes with 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 the whip, and beating, and hit, and punching, and up all night, and walking for, I don't know how many, two or three miles, I don't know how long it was. Then carry your part of your cross, part of the way, and then crucify you. And then put you in a tomb. Let's see if you can somehow revive on your own and push a stone that takes several men to roll away, move that stone, and get out. But you know, mankind, if they are going to put away God, they've got to come up with some kind of plan. And I was just thinking this week, I tested my hypothesis on two or three, four, five people. You know, if you think about this for a moment, the, the end result of evolution if you say, well, pastor's not that big, it is a big deal because this, if you believe that we are simply the result of random chance, you have no God, you cannot go to heaven. Do you ever think about like how the end result of evolution is, if we say God did not make me, which he says he does, and if you say God's a liar, how can you be a, a saved person and say God's a liar? And if God didn't make you and your random chance, heaven is only about God. It's God's house. So if, do you see what I'm saying? If, you, if you're simply a, a random happenstance over billions and millions of years, and you're not the result of a wonderfully awesome creative God, you have no heaven to go to. There's not some generic heaven that people can just sign on for. It's absent from the body present with the Lord. You must be ready for Him to go to His house and live with him forever, not just some 
place up in the sky by and by we're going to go to. So yes, it's important to hold on to what the Bible says about creation. For if you don't have a creator, you don't have a savior. And that's the end result. We say, it's just, well, we can, don't be compromising with evolution. Just, it's, it's, something, it's, it's anti-God, period. Lay it aside. Don't, oh, progressive evolution, theistic creation, uh, or, or theistic evolution. All, put all that stuff aside. The Bible's clear. Stand on his word once and for all. Lay that stuff aside. It's not going to do you any good. Well, Lord, you know, I, I read your Bible, and I know it says in Genesis chapter, very first verse, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. I know it says that, but the men of our world, they became so intelligent, and they said, you know what, it can't happen like that. And, th- this, and so I, I believe them rather than you. And I can hear this thunderous voice. You should have believed me. We were at Sight and Sound, and we were sitting beside a wonderful guy who was an organist for a church, African-American church in Brooklyn, New York. By the way, their housing taxes are $18,000 a year. And that's, he says that's for a very bad neighborhood even. Anyway, he, was, he said, the only thing I don't like about the first half was God's voice was not deep enough. He wanted, Whoa. we talked to Moses. It was like a normal voice. It was, so, it was very thunderous, but he wanted a little deeper voice. When you get before God... I want to say, you know, Lord, I, I, I believe your word, and to the best of my ability with your help, I followed your word, not mankind's ideology. So let's lay it aside. We find then that they came and they disobeyed. The uh, one who directed them to break their legs did not break legs. They, Christ was dead already. How did that happen? Well, we find the soldiers may have we know at least one, the centurion in Matthew 27 said, Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Oh, I just noticed it's plural. They feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. I always thought that was the singular the centurion. It, it doesn't. Just reading it now. They. That's why language is so important. They. Now they, in this case, has to be more than one. You cannot have one person and call them they. Now, I know that's popular today. It's still wrong, grammatically wrong. It's theoretically wrong. It is actuality wrong. It's significant. These soldiers then who were under orders to break did not do that. They would skip over Jesus and not break his legs. And they saw that he was dead already. And it fulfilled a, one of the prophecies, if you would. Conservatively speaking, there are over 300 messianic prophecies Christ fulfilled. J. Barton Payne has found as many as 574 verses in the Old Testament that speak of, uh, describe the reference to the coming Messiah. Alfred Edersheim, the very famous Jewish scholar, found 456 verses in the Old Testament referring to the Messiah. Not a bone was broken. So there's the spear, the Sanhedrin, the, the Sabbath, the Sanhedrin, the soldier, the Savior, the spear in 34. But one of the soldiers of the spear pierced his side, and, and forthwith came there out blood and water. In order to make sure that Christ was really dead, the soldiers, perhaps as a, as a not quite doing the breaking the legs, but just to make sure, sure, by the way, they should know when a person's dead. I believe this is what a lot of them did many times. They knew what dead looks like. Roman soldiers, if anybody did, it was them, I would say, thinking out loud. Considerable discussion has been made regarding the blood and water. And you can read some, there are some long discourses about how this works and how the heart failed. I can tell you how he died. He gave up his spirit. 
the heart did not have to explode for him to die. He gave up his spirit. He died when he wanted to die. We don't have to actually have a naturalistic explanation. Now, if you see a natural, if you want to, if you want to read about it, it's in good study. But I'm telling, we don't have to have that because Christ gave up his spirit. Father, into thy hands I commend thy spirit. The important thing is you just don't sit, say, well, that's kind of interesting. It should move us to the Savior died on our behalf that we might have life everlasting. John testifies, why did he do it? It says clearly in our text in 35 that ye might believe. If you read later on, these things are written that you might believe in the end of chapter 20 that Jesus is the Christ. That's why he waited. Not necessarily why he waited, but that's what his emphasis is that Jesus is God. There was already a plethora of false teachings making the circles. No, Jesus is God. I think we should be careful about changing ourselves since it was God who made us and not we ourselves. It was He who chose us. I'm not trying to pick on that issue today, but it is God who actually gave us life. God has chosen who we are, and we are to embrace it. I tell you, there's going to be a lot of responsibility laid at those who are in the promotion of such things. Can there be a greater disservice to our children than to encourage them to harm themselves? Where's all the studies that already have been done that shows the negative effect, how the people who've gone through transitions are more likely to commit suicide than they did before? Where, why, why don't we have the, Do you know that when you do this, young person, that you're going to have to pay for these drugs the rest of your life or you'll change back? Or, and where's that money coming from? It's very expensive. Truth. We need... A big dose of truth. I know vitamin B, you're supposed to be able to shoot vitamin B, B12 it is, and give you a lot of energy. I probably need some of that today, perhaps. Perhaps I don't. But we, but we need a dose of truth in America. Now, this fact of the blood flowing down from the cross, uh, different songwriters, I'm going to borrow Brother Bud's favorite hymn, Augustus Toplady, let the water and the blood from thy riven side which flowed be of sin the double cure. Cleanse me from its guilt and power. Fanny Crosby wrote, Jesus, keep me near the cross. There a precious fountain, free to all. A healing stream flows from Calvary's mountain. Because he died, we might live if we'll put our faith and trust in him. The statement then in 35, and he that saw it bear record that you might what believe. He accurately testified, and his record is true, and he knoweth that he saith true. If you read one of the devotions this morning, John talks about truth. John, the Gospel of John, more than any other book in the New Testament. First John, more than any other epistle, I think, in the New Testament. And third, second and third John, more than any other of the other books. It's, it's amazing. But John loves the word truth. We should love the word truth. Jesus said of himself, he is the truth and the life. 36, and then seventhly, the scriptures for these things were done. The scriptures might be fulfilled, should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. And if you, uh, I'm going to read from Exodus. Here's the scriptures fulfilled, Exodus 12, 46. In one house shall it be eaten. Thou shalt not carry forth aught of the flesh abroad out of the house, neither shall ye break a bone thereof, speaking of the Passover, Numbers 9, 12. They shall leave it, none of it into the morning, nor break any bone of it, Psalm 34, 20. He keepeth all his bones, not of one of them is broken. All were fulfilled. 
The Lord was the fulfillment representing the symbol indeed of the Passover. He was the Passover lamb. We were just over in Lancaster last weekend, and they haven't, if you ever go, you need to go to the life-size tabernacle, or go, if you ever find one, very informative. When you go to this, they have a, a display, and they have a mechanical guy that goes in, when he, uh, in and out, etc. It's a lot smaller than I thought, to be honest with you. But the importance of the tabernacle and how it all fit together, etc., it is well worth your time if you ever get a chance to go. He's the fulfillment of the Passover lamb. And he says in 31 of our text, not 31, it is 37. And again, another scripture saith, they shall look on him whom they pierced. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. The word another, by the way, is heteros, another of a different kind, not elos, another of the same kind. Heteros, another of a different kind. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. And I will pour upon the house of David, upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. They are going going to mourn. Those who are mourning, are be, uh, some people take it different ways. Those who are, have rejected Christ, perhaps the, could be those who have received Christ and they are mourning for him coming back and what they have done to him. So you can, another research project for you to do, perhaps at some point in time. They're going to mourn. So divine protection for the Lord's bones, and secondly, divine provision for the Lord's body. And find, first of all, we see the intercessor in 38. And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave. He came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus. He is found in all four Gospels. And I thought we might just read through those real briefly. It's about one or two verses. Matthew 27, 60, this Joseph of Arimathea. Now, probably we'll read a little bit of note from Dr. Morris because he has been so insightful regarding Joseph. We find Joseph, uh, Matthew 27, 60. And when he, 57, when evening was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph. By the way, if he lived in Arimathea, why does he have a tomb in Jerusalem? Hmm. Hmm, just and why was it a new tomb? Why wasn't his family tomb. And, oh, and by the way, why was it so near where they crucified prisoners if you want to have a tomb in a quiet garden? When he went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus, then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered, and Joseph had taken the body. I'm reading from uh, Matthew 27, 59. He wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and he laid it in his new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock, and he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed a new tomb. Interestingly enough, I think by indication, let's just read other verses and make a couple of remarks. Mark 15, please. Mark 15, 42 and 43. Mark 15, 42. Mark 15, 42 says for us here. Now, when the evening was come, because it was the preparation that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, an honorable counselor, which also waited for the kingdom of God, came and went in boldly into Pilate and craved the body of Jesus, etc. And Pilate marveled if he were already dead, etc. You read all this through there. And he brought 46 fine linen and took him down and wrapped him in the linen and laid him in the sepulcher, which was hewed out of a rock and rolled a stone to the front door or the door of the sepulcher. Luke 22, please. By the way, how did he know when Jesus died if he wasn't close enough to at least see when that happened, if he could go get the body? 23, 
asking too many questions, which I just will answer here shortly. 2353. And he took it down. This is speaking of Joseph. He was a man named a counselor, a good man, a just. Took it down and wrapped it in linen and laid it in a sepulcher that was hewn in stone. And then back over to our text in, in John chapter 19. And he feared, but secretly for fear of the Jews. Interestingly enough, I'm reading from Dr. Morris. Joseph was a member of the council which had condemned Jesus, though he did not consent to this. He had been a disciple of Jesus for some time, but secretly, this does not suggest cowardice, but rather strategy. In fact, the Greek word for secretly is kryptio, crypto, which and for which we get our word cryptic. It actually means undercover or in hiding. It may well suggest that Joseph was hiding in the tomb which he had built, watching the crucifixion, so that he would know exactly when Jesus died and could go immediately to Pilate, who was surprised to learn that he was already dead. I'm telling you, the only way you can make it work is if they were ready for this in time past. Nicodemus had a, a 75, or a bunch of, a bunch of, ointments. how did this, oh, you just don't go out, I don't think, to a store and buy that at the last moment. You have a tomb ready from a man from Arimathea builds a new tomb, brand new tomb for whom? I believe for Jesus specifically. Not It wasn't like, oh, you can have my... I think he built it for Jesus specifically. How did he know when he died? It's so close that they were in the tomb, Nicodemus and Joseph, and they saw, oh, he is dead. I'm going right now. Why? Because you can imagine the, the bad guys... They really want to get that body and, and show everybody he's dead, etc. I mean, they went so bad, had the audaciousness to make sure he died, was break his legs. They were, they were evil, the men at this point in time. So there we have Joseph and Nicodemus secretly. I wonder if that secretly, now I've always thought in my mind secretly meant his whole time while Christ was alive, but maybe that refers secretly to the tomb. It's possible. I'm not saying it's not a hard and fast fundamental, but secretly for fear of the Jews. Why would he fear the Jews? Because the Jews want to make sure he died. They don't want, any, and they might want that body. So they're waiting. As the moment he dies, he goes to Pilate. He gets the body, and Nicodemus and and Joseph take care of the body. By the way, that was a, quite a bit of spices, quite a bit of things to do together. And so I think they prepared. Perhaps they met with John. Perhaps they and John had, perhaps they'd gotten, uh, they knew what was happening and saw, they were his disciples. Regardless, God superintended to have perhaps the third richest man of all, Jerusalem, Nicodemus, to have all the resources necessary once Jesus died, loving hands are going to take care of his son. John might have been able to get something done, but I don't think John would have had the uh, clout that's not in the scripture, the clout to see Pilate on that day. But Joseph, a counselor, very rich, I think he could have very well. Obviously he did. The Bible says he did. So whether we think or not, the Bible says it, it's done. God has said it. Now, whether I believe it or not, it's settled. It's, I trust it. God said it. I, whether you believe it or not, it's settled. I trust you have believed it. Also came Nicodemus. I think it's the only time Nicodemus is here in John. He came to help. 100-pound weight. So these men have been ready. Paul later wrote, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. After what the world did, 
he was going to be in loving hands going forward. By the way, I've told you before, I believe he appeared only after his resurrection, appeared only to those who believed in him and were believers. The intercessor, the interment in 40, they took the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with the spices on the manner of Jesus as it was Jews to bury. The body of Christ was taken down tenderly. There's the embalmment prepared for burial with care and protection. Uh, was suggest, can you imagine them as they're wrapping, how the tears were flowing from these two men as they wrapped the body of the Savior in these cloths and see what absolute terror mankind had done to Jesus? Can you imagine? It makes us tear up as we read this story even today. Can you imagine you're there? How awful it would have been. How emotionally straining it would have been. By the way, again, you probably knew this, but lots of times like that Mary that broke the ointment from that little jar, that was like her inheritance she would keep to when she died and they take that very aromatic number there's no embalming you're buried often the same day take that bottle and break it and put it on your body so that the smell would not overcome people as they came by the embalmment the entombment 41 now in the place where he was crucified there was a garden in the garden there was a new sepulcher not just a sepulcher, not Joseph of Arimathea's family sepulcher, a new sepulcher where never man yet laid. Why is that important? So when the, it's open, it's, if someone comes out, it can only be one person. Well, there, there, there's 50 people in there. Well, we, it wasn't Jesus. It was Joseph's great-grandfather that came. No, there's one person in the tomb, only one empty tomb, only one person. That's why, when it, do you see the difference? If there's 50 people in there, we can't say the tomb is empty. But when there was only one, we can say, hey, he is risen. The tomb is empty. Go see for yourself. The tomb is empty. See, all these things, the Bible is marvelous. It all fits together, not contradicting anything. And it just all fits seamlessly because it's his story. History is his story given to us by Almighty God. So he's laid in the tomb, clean tomb, etc. The world went about its business. Do you, th- you think the world stopped when Jesus died? Nope. It didn't stop. Matter of fact, probably there was some rejoicing. Doesn't it say in Revelation when the two uh, witnesses are taken or killed that there's, they give gifts one to another? They're, when the two, I'm pretty sure, Revelation chapter 11, look for yourself, that they give gifts because, woohoo! That, and do you not think there's rejoicing when the Christians are, uh, when the Christian, this thing with the rapture, the, there's going to be some confusion, obviously, but the Christians are gone! Yes! We can do what we, we're doing pretty much what we want to do anyway, but we can do whatever we want to do, and there's not going to be anybody, oh, Bald preachers preaching on Sunday morning about what we shouldn't be doing and how sin is wrong and they should receive the Savior. We won't have to listen to that anymore. By the way, I can also, again, another hypothesis before we finish up is that Jesus, his body died, but he didn't die. We know why. Because the world continued on. The Bible says he is upholding all things by the word of his power. If he had ceased to live, the there we go. His body, yes, he voluntarily took on, passed. But he, I serve a risen Savior. He is alive. And because he lives, I can face tomorrow. 
We imagine how it probably went that day. It's all, after they put Christ on the cross, Pilate goes home and his wife said, did you, what, what did you do with Jesus? Did you do, did you do something you shouldn't have done? I told you he was innocent. Now you should have listened to me, Mr. Pilate. What did you do? And Ananias and Caiaphas went about their ways. Finally, we're rid of that. Oh, let's, 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 do, let's be spiritual now and we'll have our Passovers as normal. We're just rid of that person from Nazareth. Peter, probably weeping alone bitterly the entire night. The body of Judas Iscariot has been found. His guts, uh, not to be too graphic, but his guts were spilled all over, the Bible says, because he had committed suicide, having realizing he had betrayed an innocent person. The Roman soldiers, Herod, they're continuing on, probably dicing and gambling and mocking and drinking, all the different things they do when they're time off, off time. Perhaps there was a Roman centurion, and the, maybe the two or three there or four there, whose lives were changed. Surely this was the Son of God. Surely. There was a guy who wrote that cantata about 20 years ago, I Choose Jesus. I still remember Jim Carroll singing that. That was one of the most powerful songs. I Choose Jesus. The angels, well, a few of them, I don't have, at least two, were heading down to earth because on the third day he's going to rise again and they're going to meet some people at the empty tomb. I wondered today, how, how are we going to respond today? On the way home, Fried preacher, fried person in the pew. Uh, I didn't go my way. You know what? what how, how negative are we going to be? Or are we going to go home and say, you know what? I'm thankful for what Jesus did for me. He's why we're here. I'm telling you, I'm a sinner, and I sin, and I'm preaching to sinners who sin. We're, we're none of us are. Oh, I, I'm Mr. Goody Two Shoes, and I, I've, I've somehow reached an elevation. This idea that we can reach sinless perfection until we get before we get to heaven is B-O-L-O-G-N-A. Now you and I, I'm telling you, we sin sometimes because we want to. We do sometimes, sometimes well, you don't, we do sins of omission. But there's no one here like, you know, I, I just, pastor, you know, I, I know you preach okay, but you know, I, I just turn, when you, because you know, I don't need that anymore. I, I am just arrived. And when you say that, you have just showed how you have not arrived. People who live in glass houses should not throw stones. Missionary C.T. Studd said this regarding your commitment. If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for Him. And Jim Elliot, he's no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Say, Pastor, you've said that quote how many times now? I don't know, but I'll probably say it some more until I go to heaven. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Today, people are trying to keep what they cannot keep and they're losing what they could have gained if they put their faith and trust in Christ. I'm telling you, we're going to leave him in the grave in our text for this week. And next week, woohoo, up from the grave, he arose. We'll probably even sing that song, I'm thinking. Do you know Christ? If you do, let us serve Him this week. Let's think more about Him than all the other things we've got combined. Let's pray. Lord, I thank You for Your Word. It strikes a a sword to our heart at times, convicts us, and mightily it should, and we should listen to that conviction. Lord, I am thankful for the clarity of Your Word. We don't have to wonder 
about things. You have let us know. You dismissed your spirit. The prophecies were fulfilled. Over 300. You are the Savior. You're going to lay in the grave three days, and then on the first day of the week, you're going to raise. We know it happened because it's the greatest attested to fact in history. The tomb is still empty. Praise God. Lord, if we get so bogged down with everything around us and the, the trivialities of life that we forget, we're missing, and the best part is we serve and worship the risen Savior. And one day we're going to be with Pastor Wayne and Mary and all those who've gone before. And we'll be worshiping around his throne. That's what we're looking forward to. Lord, may we not get so sideways with th- people, things here in this world, that we forget we're on our way to be with you. So Lord, help us to keep eternity's values in view this week. Lord, if there's a need, you've spoken to hearts. May they come. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.